It's July 8th, 2020, and welcome to the new reality edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. I'm Bert Lum. First up, uh, we'll have Vince Smith, and he's here to tell us about the Mars 2020 and the NASA Perseverance rover. And then, of course, uh, we'll be joined by Fred Rohde from DR Fortress, and we'll talk about the role of a data center in delivering your content and applications over the Internet. And now, of course, I would love to have, uh, of course, uh, Vince Smith, who's calling in all the way from Mililani, and he's calling in to uh, tell us about this Mars 2020 and NASA Perseverance rover. Welcome to the show, Vince. Oh, um, thanks, Bert. Uh, thanks for having me, and i um, super excited to be here and tell you guys about Mars 2020. So, so Vince... Uh, Give us a little bit of your background. I mean, uh, you were telling me you're you're used to be working at the Boeing, so you have a you have a kind of a direct link to this uh, uh, not aerospace, but you know, um, industry at least. Uh huh. The um, yeah, the space industry. Um, I worked for Boeing for 29 years, um, but my interest in space exploration uh, really started in the 1960s, mm-hmm. and I just um, Started following NASA planetary missions, and I've just been doing it for since the 1960s, all the way up until today. <laughs> so, what was it? What was it that uh, uh, interests you about the Mars 2020, and and uh, to the point where you you wanted to actually do a talk over at the Sandbox? Oh, sure. Um, well, when I was at Boeing, I used to give talks. Uh, I did talk about the last rover that went to Mars, mm-hmm. a Curiosity rover. Mm-hmm. And so I gave some talks at Boeing about that. Um, and then a Perseverance rover, um, which is Mars 2020, um, this is just a once-in-a-decade mission, and it's getting ready to launch on July 30th. And so I've just been interested in the exploration of Mars, so it's just natural for me to... Uh, to follow this mission. So, you know, when uh, when Curiosity went to Mars, I mean, and, and there was a lot of uh, coverage of it. I think it even might have had a Twitter account. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what does uh, what does Perseverance do that's uh, perhaps different from, from uh, Curiosity? Oh, sure. Um, Perseverance has a whole new set of science instruments. Curiosity's main job was to explore Mars uh, looking for habitable environment. Mm-hmm. And those are those are environments that existed about 3.5 billion years ago in which life could have thrive, could have uh, risen on the red planet in those days. And so Curiosity rover pretty much um, answered that question that, that Mars was habitable in the past. Mm-hmm. So per- Perseverance rover of looking for biosignatures in the soil and on the surface of Mars. This is the next step in NASA's search for life on Mars. And so, so Curiosity uh, was was just uh, looking at the perhaps existence of of water, right, on on Mars. And now this uh, Perseverance is actually looking for. Uh, the the um, I guess the signs of of life that might have occurred or or existed back then. Yes, Curiosity was has pretty much uh, 
to find that there was water at the site that it's exploring. And so um, Perseverance is going to a different location on Mars. Mm -hmm. It's going to what's known as a paleo lake bed. And it was a lake 3.5 billion years ago, and it has a delta um, that formed from a river going into it. And so scientists believe that if life got started on Mars, that the biosignatures are in that delta. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's where Perseverance rover is going. So, you know what was uh, also fascinating for you know any of the rover projects was how it actually uh, ended up getting deployed on the planet. And uh, what's, uh, what's different about how Perseverance might, might actually land on the planet versus uh, uh, Curiosity? Oh, okay. Perseverance is using the same landing system that Curiosity used. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's been upgraded a bit with some artificial intelligence um, to pinpoint the landing of Perseverance. The landing ellipse for Perseverance is much smaller than the landing ellipse for Curiosity. In other words, it's a targeted landing because the delta, they want to land next to the delta. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But it's, it's the same delivery system. Um, I don't know if you want me to talk about the pieces of the delivery system. Well, I think, I I think uh, you know, for the purpose of... of uh, uh, teasing people f to attend your your session, <laughs> I think it'd probably be a good idea to, you know, just give them enough so that uh, they'll sign up. So now, this is going to be happening at the Sandbox, right? So tell us a little bit about uh, when that is and what you intend to present there. Oh, okay. Um, I'm giving a presentation on Mars 2020, uh, July 16th, at the Entrepreneur Sandbox in Kaka'ako. And it starts at seven o'clock. And um, I'll be how do oh, uh, what what is it that that you want to uh, convey? I mean, are you are you gearing it for students? Is it for adults? Is it for anybody that's interested in in Mars exploration? Um, sure, it's for, targeted for the general public. Anybody that's interested in space exploration or how NASA puts together uh, rover missions. So it's a, a high level. Um, description. There's there's four parts to it. I'm going to talk a little bit about Mars and how it's impacted humans over the centuries. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to talk about what we know about Mars so far from the last 60 years of exploration. And then I'm going to talk about building the rover. And then I'll talk about the search for biosignatures. Wow, that's so great. Kind of, that's kind of that. It takes about an hour and 10 minutes. And I have a lot of uh, images and a couple of videos. Mm -hmm. So, so, um, so Vince, where can people sign up to uh, attend your talk? Oh, okay. The quickest way, well, you can do it two ways. You can go to Eventbrite mm -hmm. and key in Perseverance Rover, and that my event will come up. Okay, that's uh, that's pretty that's pretty easy. And then I'll I'll. Uh, I think I have the link as well, so I'll put that up on our show notes for uh, later on tonight. And that sounds oh. exciting. Thanks, uh, thanks, Vince, for uh, putting on the, the presentation for that. Oh, sure, Bert, and uh, we'll see you there. Okay, sounds good. And, of course, we'll take a short break, and when we return, we'll be joined by Fred Rohde, and we'll talk about data centers and the role they play in delivering 
the internet. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors, locations, and Honolulu Waldorf School. Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe, and I'm happy to welcome Fred Rohde, who is the president and co-founder of DR Fortress. And DR Fortress is one of the few independent data centers here in Hawaii. And, of course, uh, Fred, welcome to Bite Marks Cafe. Hey, thanks for having me. Now, you know, I, I was, uh, you know, your data center is, is probably one of the premier data centers, and I know when... Um, uh, you know, I, I love to have you on, but when I look through my notes, I mean, I think the last time I had you on was 2009, uh, and and uh, that was like more than 10 years ago. Yeah. So tell me, Fred, what's been happening over the last 10 years? <laughs> oh my, oh my goodness! So um, we actually back in 2009. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we we started back in 2007. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we probably came on your show after we acquired the business. So we used to work for Pihana Pacific. Yeah, Pihana was kind of, yeah, and then the Pihana got acquired, right? Yeah, well, yeah, we merged together with a company called Equinix, mm-hmm. which is the largest neutral data center in the world. And then in 2006, me and my partners, um, we raised over $16 million and acquired the Honolulu site and did an expansion. Uh, we finished that in 2007. Um and we've been growing since. We did another expansion in 2016, 2017. Uh, I think it was more like 2016. Uh, expanded our site. We basically moved out our office space, uh, added another 72 racks, and moved upstairs. And then we're about to do another expansion. Um, we got uh, another investment from a company called GI Partners. They're mm-hmm. a $20 billion infrastructure fund out of San Francisco. And the team we work with is out of New York. And they invested us in January, and then the plans are to uh, grow our, our business in Hawaii. So we're uh, doing this expansion. We'll add another 128 racks, 128 racks. And then uh, we're looking to do a second site here. And then we're going to launch some new products. We're going to tether to uh, the mainland clouds and uh, create an on-ramp from Hawaii to those clouds. And... Wait. Okay. Um, okay. Now you got yeah. you gave me a, a a lot of fodder for uh, for discussion here. Now before I oh, get yeah. into you know <laughs> I, I heard you say second site, so I, I do want to talk about that. Uh, but for our listeners who are are interested in what exactly is a data center, maybe we can get kind of a fundamental grounding on what is a data center and how does it what is it uh, what role does it play in terms of delivering internet content? Yeah. So. Uh, you know, I've been doing this for 20 plus years now, and my wife still doesn't totally understand what we do. She's <laughs> saying, "Oh, okay, it's kind of like public storage for computers." And I'm like, "Well, not really." Uh, <laughs> no, I know what you're talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah. So ultimately, what data centers are is that's where the internet runs. Mm-hmm. So they, it's a, a retrofitted building, and we go in there, we put in backup generators and uninterruptible power supplies, UPS industrial size, like normally you're at your office and you may be plugging into a small little APC UPS for Mm -hmm. your computer. We have like industrial size ones that can run small neighborhoods. Uh, We have cooling systems that are on all the time because it doesn't matter how much power we give the customer if we don't keep it cold. Um, The computer will actually 
heat up and shut itself off to protect it from, you know, melting the CPU. So these data centers exist all around the world, and that's where, you know, all of the uh, Google search engines and Facebooks and TikToks and hospitals and banks and cell phone providers and carriers, they, they live in these data centers. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have the largest one in Hawaii. Um, and what they do is put their mission-critical equipment there, um, and then when they're in the same location, they talk to each other, you know, so carriers can talk to carriers. And the content uh, guys push their content next to the carriers so that it speeds up the Internet. Um, and basically what we're doing is making sure that equipment never goes down. Right. And that's, you know, basically what we do, but that's how the Internet works. There, you, When you're going to, um, you know, do your iOS updates for your iPhone, um, there's a company that actually hosts that content in our data center. You wouldn't actually go all the way to Curpentino to get your Microsoft up, or your Apple update. Mm-hmm. Um, you would get that from a company out of our data center um, so that everybody in Hawaii is getting the content from Hawaii and not all basically bombarding Apple from the mainland. Well, and, and there's uh, content aggregation and, you know, companies like uh, uh, that stream uh, video, whether it's uh, Netflix or Amazon Prime. I mean, a lot of that is also cached in, in Hawaii as well because if it had to all traverse the Trans-Pacific links, to serve up that content, I mean, you're talking possible congestion that would occur over yes. those uh, fiber optic links. Yeah, it's also expensive for those guys to keep on buying, um, you know, long haul mm-hmm. all the way to the mainland uh, for, you know, the all the eyeballs are here. So if you can bring that content in a cached form, uh, they can all hit it from here and it speeds up the Internet for them. They're not having to go, you know, 5,000 mile hairpin turn for every click. Um, you know, especially for video and voice, that, that becomes an issue. So nowadays, when, when we talk about uh, companies like uh, Facebook or Google or Amazon, I mean, a lot of those companies actually have their own data centers. I mean, they have so many servers that are delivering up, uh, you know, their content. Uh, they pretty much have their own dedicated da- data centers. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. But um, like I was telling you before, that content caching where you're trying to push it as close to the end customer, mm-hmm. um, that's that's been a big push. So it's called a, a push to the edge. Mm-hmm. And so these edge data centers, they're basically talking about, you know, in the, in the near future, the closer that you can get those applications to the customers, you can do more things, you know, and, and so the Amazons and Microsoft and Google of the world are um, having these big data centers in certain locations, but now they're starting to really push. And so you'll have a lot of those guys actually in our data center. Right. Um, and and trying to get close to the customers. You bring up a great point because, you know, when, when it comes to things like latency, I don't know if, you know, people really think about latency, but, you know, for for the signaling to trans uh, uh, transmit over, the fiber optics, uh, you know, all the way to the, you know, say the West Coast and back. I mean, that's, you know, 5,000 miles. And there's a, there's a latency associated with that. And if you can actually yeah. get your content served up uh, on island, then that latency drops down to, you know, maybe um, double digits as opposed to hundreds of uh, milliseconds. Correct. Yeah, so that latency, normally, like, if you did it on your computer or on your phone, that little circle of death, you're waiting and waiting mm-hmm, and waiting. Mm-hmm. Uh, some applications actually die. Like you can do a point of sale system, you know, when you're going checking out at the grocery store. If they had that problem, 
then, you know, the line gets longer and you're just waiting for, you know, each page to come up. Um, that would cost somebody money. Sometimes, you're, you know, you're doing video and it times out or, some, um, you know, nowadays everybody's working from home and they're VPNing in. Mm-hmm. And if they're, you know, don't have a local uh, site for some of their, um, you know, back office systems, then their VPN crashes. So there's lots of different things that latency is an enemy of. Um, and it's just certain applications. So you know when you when you talk about the um, you know these companies pushing more of that content to the edge, uh, what have you seen over the course of this uh, pandemic? I mean, obviously there's there's going to be a lot more usage of the internet given the fact that everybody's you know pretty much uh, working from home, uh, sheltered in place. Uh, you know, have you seen? And I, I've been to DR Fortress and. You know, you you have a, a network operating center there, kind of monitoring traffic. I mean, what is what is your historical view of, of of traffic utilization over the last several months? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely beefed up. You know, you have carriers like uh, Hawaiian Tel and Spectrum and CenturyLink, Hurricane Electric. They're all beefing up their networks and mm-hmm. selling to you know the end users and. You know, there's bottlenecks in certain areas, but like at the core where they all sit when, you know, Spectrum is sending, you know, traffic over to Wintel, like, you know, all of their users just sending an email over or doing, a, you know, uh, you know, looking at each other's websites and whatnot. Uh, that intersection actually happens in our data center. And on that um, switch, it's called our Internet Exchange, we've seen a huge increase. Uh, you're talking about um, tens of gigabits. And, mm-hmm. and it's not just Hawaii that is on there. You know, we have like America Samoa and Tahiti, um, Guam. So we have different um, Pacific Islanders on there. And their traffic has definitely increased as well. Because uh, we do have a lot of the, um, that um, edged content. So if you're trying to get to, um, you know, search engine or you're doing your social media stuff that's sitting in our data center. So when you're going to those sites, uh, we've seen a huge increase in that traffic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're trying to get more providers like Zoom and WebEx and uh, some other other of these, um, you know, video conferencing companies to come to Hawaii to make it, you know, a better experience for the end users. But, you know, Zoom had, a, you know, when we were in talks with Zoom, they had a big problem with their security. Mm-hmm. So they, you know, refocused on that. And then they have other markets where they're trying to do the same. But a lot of times they're just, not able to get to Hawaii because they're they're trying to get to Amsterdam and all these other uh, large cities. So we're kind of put on the back burner. But that's our job is to bring them in and make the internet faster for everyone. So is is the decision on you know for those companies to locate in Hawaii? Is it pretty much driven by uh, the you know the population of Hawaii and and us as a market to those particular companies? Uh, well, no, we're on their list. I mean, Hawaii is, um, you know, if you just look at Oahu by itself, we're, you know, is just as large as any other major city mm-hmm. um, that's in secondary markets. Uh, and sometimes we're, we're larger. And we have, we used to have um, a lot of international, um, you know, tourists coming, and they're the ones also getting on their social media and using lots of bandwidth um, for their cell phones and their, their applications. Um, and then, you know, the business users, that increases as well when we had 30,000 people per day coming. But now it's been, you know, anywhere from four to 900 a day. Um, so you're not seeing that traffic, but um, 
I think because we have military here, you know, we're one of the uh, five locations that NSA actually has a location. Right. So people still need to, to be in Hawaii. We are the tip of the spear, um, you know, for our military front. So we get a lot of that, that stuff here just because um, they're serving uh, federal, you know, mm-hmm. customers. And then they, they do know that, you know, they can do Hawaii as their launching pad. Hey, we can land in Hawaii, um, still be in a U.S. territory, and hit these Pacific Islanders from one location without having to drop, uh, you know, a node in every single island right. uh, throughout the Pacific. Exactly. Now, I do want to talk about the GI partners and and your your mentioning of of uh, their investment and perhaps even a second site. So, what we will do, we'll just leave that as a, a little tease. We'll hold that thought. Uh, we'll be right back after this short break to continue our conversation with Fred Rohde. And we're talking about the growth of the Internet and, of course, the role of a data center. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, whose contributors help Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to the St. Andrews Schools, which includes the Priory School for Girls, the Prep for Boys, and Queen Emma Preschool. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum, and if you're just joining us, we're talking to Fred Rohde about how the Internet uh, and data centers play a key role in getting content to us, whether it's uh, streaming on Netflix or actually doing work from home. And, of course, right before the break, uh, you know, Fred was kind of teasing about the uh, the GI partners' investment in, in – um, DR Fortress, and, and of course, I picked up on what you said, Fred, about this second site. So what are some of the ideas that, that really kind of brought GI Partners to the table, and what is some of this expansion that you're referring to? Yeah, so when they came in, they saw, you know, um, our growth was um, on, a, on a good clip, and, you mm-hmm. know, we, we built that data center from 12,000 square feet to 50,000 square feet um, and, and growing, a, you know, a little bit more with that 128 uh, cabinet expansion. Uh, so they they have an investment fund specifically for infrastructure, uh, investing in fiber, dark fiber, uh, 5G, and data centers, because ultimately that infrastructure is what's going to bring us to, you know, the, the, the future, right? It, it all runs in data centers. You need more fiber. Uh, this 5G is going to basically be the next game changer, um, you know, you're going to be able to do 4K or 8K on your phone mm-hmm. and uh, augmented reality. So all of that needs infrastructure to support that. You know how we're never really in front of, um, you know, the infrastructure because they start making these applications that um, push the limits of the bandwidth, right? Before, you used to have 1.5 megabits per second mm-hmm. at an office for, right. you know, 100 people. Well, now you get, like, um, 20 megabits per second just to your phone alone. Right. Um, and you can get gig at your house. So that's 1,000 megabits per second, right? So that infrastructure needs to be built in order to support all of these end users being on their phone or at their home. Um, so we're basically sitting at where nobody sees um, how it really works, how the Internet works. And, and they see that, okay, well, if this next generation of 5G and, um, you know, whatever the next, wave of technology is going to be, um, we need to get in front of it and build these, uh, this infrastructure. 
So they saw Hawaii as an opportunity. We were working with them on another project uh, when they made the investment in us and said, hey, you know, you have a lot of carriers, you have the hospitals and the banks and, and um, these content providers, but, you know, really your whole uh, market is kind of being neglected because, you know, they need data centers as well, where if everybody in Hawaii stopped using their their office as their data center, right? Mm -hmm. They have like a little closet with, you know, a rack in there with servers sitting in there. If they actually would put it in the data center, they could save costs, uh, they can get better uh, connectivity. And we're like, well, it's kind of like if everybody went to church, there's not enough churches. Mm -hmm. Well, if everybody used a data center like they should be, there's not enough data center space. Um, So that's what we're looking at doing a second site and doing this expansion and actually reaching the local market because once we bring in the on-ramp for these large cloud players and all these different services with more carriers and lowering the uh, bandwidth costs for them, um, they're only going to flourish, right? So tell so that's me, Fred, why we're looking for the second site? Yeah. So, so when you look for a second site, what are you what are you looking for? What would be the the kind of key parameters for that second site? So, for a data center, you need lots of power. Mm-hmm. So, we need to make sure that uh, Hawaiian Electric has lots of power to that location, and usually in redundant fashion, if possible. Uh, and then we need lots and lots of fiber because we sell to carriers. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a little bit difficult because the further away you get from, um, you know, town, uh, as users will, you know, attest to, the worse the connectivity gets. Right. right? If you're, you know, I, I have, um, you know, coworkers that are in Kailua, and it's not as good as the ones that are in town. Um, and it's just, you know, the further away you get, there's less people there. So less of a market, less of a um, reason for these carriers to build more and more fiber in your area, and then that kind of affects, you know, your your connectivity. So at the source, at a data center, you need lots and lots of fiber um, and diverse fiber. I mean, it needs to come in a ring. Um, so if one side gets cut, it can still go out a different route. Mm-hmm. And that's the minimum is two ways in. But a lot of times, like at our data center now, we have four ways into our data center. Right, right. So you want to have... You not only want to have redundant routes uh, into the data center from a fiber standpoint, but you also, ideally, you would like to have, uh, uh, you know, two, you know, different power uh, companies providing the power. But, uh, of course, we have just one, so at least maybe have two separate power uh, feeds, right? Correct. A lot of times it's just for upgrades and, and uh, just in case. Uh, but that's why you have backup generators. Mm-hmm. Like we have five mm-hmm. backup generators just in case. So uh, you know, I, you know, we're kind of running out of time, and I, there's so much more I want to ask you. Uh, <laughs> so you know, can you give us a hint as to where this second site might be? Uh, no, we're we're still looking, so we don't know if we're going to do uh, you know build it from scratch, um, or if there's a building out there that already exists, or maybe another company that has um, some assets that we could acquire. Mm-hmm. So we're just you know right now in research mode. Uh, but the first thing we'll do is by fourth quarter, we should have that expansion complete. Uh, but in the meantime, we're, we're out searching. Well, exciting stuff. Where can people find out more about DR Fortress? Yeah, just go to www.drfortress.com, and um, you, you can find our um, phone number there or email. Sounds um, good. Or you can even put in a request for a tour. 
Of course, Fred Rohde is the president and co-founder of DR Fortress, one of Hawaii's independent data centers, the largest one. And of course, I want to thank you, Fred, for uh, joining us today. Yeah, definitely. Thanks and for thank you me. for listening to Bite Marks Cafe. Join us next week when we will talk about the Kauai Education Technology Pilot. If you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. And of course, if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to email me at bitemarks at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter. I'm at bitemarks. Our engineer is David Chong. You can catch us on HPR One every Wednesday or anytime via the HPR app, iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. You stay awesome. We'll see you next week. And of course, you stay safe. And we'll have another edition of Bite Marks Cafe. Aloha. Thank you.